You're listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSM, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. So tonight is week what of our sex, dating, and relationship series? It's week two, right? And last week, we laid some groundwork, right? We talked real quick about some things. We talked about um, how marriage is instituted by God, right? Created by God. We talked about how sex is created by God. We talked about, yeah, Lane goes, ooh, I know, I know, I know. We talked about a lot of those things, right? And this week and next week, we're gonna be talking about the topic of dating. Yeah. Dating, I know, I know. Raise your hand if sometimes talking about dating is an awkward topic. Raise your hand if you know somebody in this room who's sitting next to their crush. Raise, somebody if, raise your hand if you know somebody in this room who's sitting next to their boyfriend or girlfriend. Interesting, interesting. I'm just, I'm just taking a poll of how we're feeling tonight, all right? All right, well, come on, all eyes up here, all eyes up here. We're gonna lay the ground rules again, all right? So y'all ready for these ground rules for this series? All right, first things first. We're talking about a topic that can sometimes be awkward, but I'm gonna treat you guys like the young adults that you are. So I'm going to expect that you guys act like young adults. So what do young adults do? When somebody's talking, they're not talking to their neighbor because they recognize that they're gonna respect the person talking, right? In the same way with small groups. When somebody's talking in small groups, I gotta respect who's talking in small groups, right? What else do young adults do? They recognize we're gonna be pretty honest. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, but we're just gonna take the facts and then we can, if we have questions, we can ask about them in small groups, all right? And last thing, I want you guys to have an open mind because this is what we know. We know that the picture of sex, dating, and relationships that you see all around you, whether that's on TV, whether that's on TikTok, Snapchat, Be Real, whether that's on Spotify, whether that's on Disney Plus, whatever it may be, is oftentimes very far from what God has designed. And so what we are doing is we are going into the Bible and we're going to talk about sex, dating, and relationships from that lens. Got it? Yes. So... Tonight is night one of dating. And I'm gonna give you guys your first point. First point is this. The goal is marriage. How many times do you feel like you're sitting in class, you're talking to somebody in class, and like, man, I just really like this person, and they're so cute. And then you feel like the only thing that goes on in their mind is how much they like their crush for that week. Have y'all ever felt that way before? Somebody talking to you and it's like, oh my Lord, dude, can you talk about something else? And then you're like, oh my Lord, dude, last week it was a different girl, right? So here's the thing. We live in a culture, we live in a world whose goal oftentimes is not marriage. The goal is dating. I wanna get to dating and then I'm set, right? But what happens if the goal is dating more than likely, you're not gonna respect the parameters and the boundaries of dating. 
And we're gonna talk about those more next week. But let's talk about why the goal is marriage first, okay? So Genesis 2 says this. It says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So what does it mean when we see in verse 24, you are united as husband and wife? What does that mean? So what that means is this union, what we call marriage, is something that's called a covenant. Raise your hand if y'all have ever heard that word before, covenant. A lot of us, right? For those of us who have and are confused, for those of us who haven't and are still confused, and for those of us who think we know, probably do know, we're gonna talk about covenant real quick, okay? So covenant in its most basic terms is like a promise. It's like an agreement between two parties on something. And is it good to break a promise? No, right? If I promise Joseph hey, you've signed up for beach camp, there's a spot available for you, how bad would it be if he shows up here, we're leaving, and I say, oh yeah, by the way, we booked too many, you can't go. That's a bad day, isn't it? We just broke a promise, right? And this is what we see. When we see a world that is constantly getting divorced, when we see a world that is making these unions happen by joining together in sexual relations before marriage, we are breaking covenants when we go around and we just cut them off. Oh, we fell out of love, so we're gonna get a divorce. Oh, our journeys didn't line up and our paths, so we're just gonna have to go our separate ways, right? And we see a world that is okay with breaking covenants. Why is it a big deal to break covenants? Let's talk about that, okay? So a covenant is this promise. And we see that in the very beginning, God made Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve in the garden were given one rule. What was that one rule? Don't eat from the tree, right. Don't eat from the tree the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happens? They ate from the fruit. Raise your hand if you're li- in your life if you have been given one rule and you broke that one rule. Exactly. All of us in that situation, it's gonna happen. We're probably gonna break that rule. And this is what we know. We know God created us, but we also know that God is a holy and perfect being. And we know that God designed us for relationship with him, but after Adam and Eve messed up, our relationship was broken. Because God is holy, he cannot be in the presence of people who are unholy who have messed up, right? And so what did we need? We needed some sort of sacrifice, some sort of thing to take that place, to die in our place. And all throughout the Old Testament, Old Testament is before who? Before Jesus, right? All throughout the Old Testament, we see that that sacrifice was often animals, whether it be a lamb, whether it be a ram, and it was unblemished in form, right? And then in the New Testament, we see Jesus is this lamb. He is this perfect lamb, the only innocent lamb who was slain in our place. He lived a perfect life and he died for you and I. And upon his resurrection, this new thing called the new covenant 
was instituted, began. And what is the new covenant? The new covenant is a promise from God, a promise between two parties, between God and humanity, God and man, that should you choose to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved from the wrath of God and granted that relationship with him that we were made for. Does that make sense? That is that new covenant. Why are we talking about covenants? We're supposed to be talking about dating. Well, in the Bible, we see that Jesus, his relationship with us and the big body of us called the, starts with a C, the church, right? The church is the body of Christ. We also see that Jesus Christ in relation to his bride, the church. So this new covenant shows us the relationship of Jesus to his bride, the church. So why does marriage matter? Because marriage should be a earthly reflection of the heavenly reality of Jesus's relationship with his bride, the church, us. And what did Jesus do for us? What did he do? He died on the cross for us. So what should marriage look like? I'm glad you guys asked. Somebody asked what should marriage look like? What should marriage look like? Thank you for asking. Ephesians 5 says it this way. Wives, and this is a, this is a controversial passage, and we're gonna break it down, all right? It says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless." In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. And again, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So what does it mean? This passage means this. First and foremost, this whole Wives submit to your husbands is oftentimes taken out of context to say, hey, wives or husbands, will, your men will use it to bash over people's heads. You're supposed to submit, listen to me and everything I say, right? And then you, see, you think about it, well, wives submit to your husbands and what does it say? As you do the Lord. So what do we need to recognize? We need to recognize that this does not mean you submit to your husband as if he is God, it doesn't prescribe the extent or the limit of submission. It, it describes the motive of submission. You submit as to the Lord. So not just for the husband, but for the Lord, because that's what he asked of you. What does that mean? That means that 150% you guys work together because a marriage is a partnership. It is teamwork. But at the end of the day, we see scripture also says that Adam was created first, then Eve. There's a natural order of things. 
So a leader of the household needs to be the man. What does that mean for you girls in this room? That means that you need to find a man one day when it comes to marriage that you can respect, who you can trust, who you know is going to honor you. Because it means that, hey, at the end of the day, I am called to submit to this person as to the Lord. So if this person is childish in everything that they do, if this person never knows how to think seriously, if this person doesn't know how to respect others, then how am, in the world am I going to be able to do a good job of submitting to their leadership in certain aspects and being in this marriage partnership with them? So what does it mean? It means that you look for the heart qualities, the character qualities first. Now, husbands, men in the room, I'm gonna address you guys because oftentimes you guys will use this scripture or people in the past will use this scripture to bash women over the head with and forget what comes after it. So it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Who's the church? Us. What did Jesus do for you? He died for you. So what does this mean? This love it, it is called agape love. What is agape love? It is as much a decision of the mind as it is a feeling of the heart. So even in the mornings when you wake up and your wife has stank breath and she's asking you to do something, you are going to choose in that moment to love her and to give up your preferences to serve her. Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. So husbands, yes, marriage is a partnership, but husbands are not supposed to be a ruling tyrant who bashes their wife over the head all the time. No, husbands are to lay down their life, to lay down their preferences for their wife. Again, the goal is marriage. We're gonna talk about dating, but I want you guys to know what we are going for. Dating is a vehicle. Dating is not the destination, okay? You ever broken your arm before? You ever broken a bone before? Is your goal to stay in the cast the entire time? What's your goal? To get healthy, right? And oftentimes, what does the doctor tell you? When you get out of the cast, what sometimes is the, the fact with that bone? Is that bone weaker or stronger? Weaker? Really? I heard it was stronger. Did I hear that wrong? When it gets out of its cast, it's stronger, right? Is that facts or am I just making that up? That's facts? When it gets out of the cast, it's stronger, right? Recognized, nobody wants to stay in a cast. We wanna to get to the thing that we are stronger at, right? Recognize that in this journey, dating is a vehicle to get us to a stage where God wants to grow us. And so, if we're called to be married in our life, dating is a vehicle to get us to this destination where with another person, we are going to be stronger together. That's all it is, okay? So marriage is important. Marriage is this reflection of how Jesus loves us. That's why it's important. And the covenant that Jesus made with us, how mad would you be if all of a sudden Jesus condemned us to hell because he broke his covenant? When people are getting divorces for no reason, that's what we're saying of that covenant. It wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that big of a thing. 
it was just a promise, I can break it. We'll, we'll make up later. We'll be able to figure out stuff with the kids. That's why marriage is so important. It's a covenant. It's this reflection of the way that Jesus loves the church, okay? So marriage is the goal. Point number two is this, step by step. So we know that marriage is a covenant. We know that it involves one man, one woman. We know that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. We know wives submit to their husbands as to they submit to the Lord, right? We know all of these things. Well, how do we get to that point, right? We know that right now, a lot of us are probably single. We know that some of us are dating. We know that some of us, yada, 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 we're trying to get to marriage, right? How do we get to this point? Recognize that God leads in steps. There's a natural step process to this thing. But this is what I want you to realize. And I think this is something, at least personally for me, it was a lot harder to remember this as I got a little bit older. So my goal in telling this to you guys is to try and tell you guys so that as you get older, you can be reminded of the truth that you've already heard, okay? So I want big listening ears for this part. This, the stage of life that you are in the step that we are about to go through is not your identity. You do not identify first as a single person and then as a daughter of the king or a son of the king. You do not identify first as someone who's engaged and then is a follower of Christ. You do not identify first as someone who is married and then to someone who has been bought through Jesus's blood. Because if I do that, what am I doing? I'm giving primary authority and ownership of my life to Ellie. If I am first Ellie's husband and then someone who was bought through the blood of Jesus, my life, the order of things is all mixed up because all of a sudden I'm going to be relying on Ellie to do things that God is supposed to be doing in my life. Ellie cannot be my sustainer. Ellie cannot be my provider. Ellie cannot give me peace that surpasses understanding. In the same way, whenever you're dating Steve or, or if you're a dude, whenever you're dating Jilly or whatever her name is, she cannot do those things for you. Only God can. And so recognize in the phase of life that you are in, don't one, discount the phase of life you're in. Two, place your identity in that because that's not right. So first stage, singleness, all right? I'm gonna read you a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter seven. This is Paul speaking and he says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man, AKA a single man, is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. I'm gonna stop right there. What is Paul saying in this passage? Paul is saying one, singleness is a gift from God. Singleness, quite literally, every single person in this room, every single person who is born in this planet will go through a season of singleness. And that is the only phase that every person will go through on this planet, every single person. Even Adam had a series of singleness. All right, at some point Eve was singled because at some point they were joined, but there was a time before they were joined. Every single person, what am I saying? There is devotion to God. That's what Paul is saying. 
He's saying, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. What am I saying? Am I saying marriage is bad? No. Am I saying that marriage is a distraction sometimes? Yes. Is it a bad distraction? No. But recognize that it can be a bad distraction if you do not learn to pursue an undivided devotion to the Lord in a period of singleness. What else do you need to know? You need to know that singleness is where your identity is brought up. Because I need to learn when I am a single person that I am bought with the blood of Jesus. I need to know that I am a son of the King. I need to know that God is with me, that God has never forsaken me nor abandoned me. I need to know that his plans are for my good and for his glory. I need to know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to know that God knit me in my mother's womb when I am single. Because if I go into a dating relationship and I am not firmly rooted in my identity in Christ, I am all of a sudden gonna put my identity in that person. I am no longer fearfully and wonderfully made. I am Ellie's husband. And as great of a thing as Ellie's husband is, I am all of a sudden going to make it a terrible thing. Why? Because I'm constantly gonna be disappointed. Because I'm constantly going to be searching for something that only God can fill. So singleness is where this identity is developed. And I would encourage you that if you are not firmly rooted in your identity, don't even think about dating somebody. Don't even think about it. If you do not recognize who you are, if you cannot tell other people who you are in Christ because we are supposed to be prepared to always give an account, if you can't do that, don't even worry about dating. You're not ready yet. Is that a bad thing? No. Does God have purpose for you right here and right now? Yes. Stop trying to skip over God's purpose for this moment because you wanna get to the next one. So singleness, grow in your identity. You have this freedom to focus. The second stage is, of course, dating. And I'm gonna put slash engagement. We won't talk about engagement much. Engagement is far away, but dating and engagement. You are not one with nobody yet. So first off, I wanna tell you guys, we are talking about sex, dating, and relationship in RSM. If you have rules in your house that you are not allowed to date until you're 15, 17, out of the house and gone and paying your bills, you are gonna honor your father and your mother. That's how that works. End of story. Because we're talking about dating in RSM does not give you permission to go behind your parents' back and date when they gave you parameters. Understood? Good. All right, dating. Obviously, the purpose, as we said, is a vehicle to a destination, all right? That's the purpose of dating. And this is what I wanna talk about, two specific things tonight, all right? First off, I want us to avoid a consumer mindset when dating. We need to stay away from that. What does that mean? That means you go into the store and you're like, where's my pack at? There it is. You're like, man, you're like, I want this, but I don't want this. Or you go, you go into, um, I'm trying to think, what's y'all's favorite burger joint around here? Five guys, I'm going bad daddies. That was a terrible suggestion. All right, bad daddies. Five guys is great, but compared to bad daddies, that's next level. All right, so you go into bad daddies and you sit down, right? And if you're like me, you don't like mushrooms and you don't like olives and you don't like blue cheese because that's from the devil and it's moldy cheese. Get it together, y'all. 
So you sit down and they ask you what you want. And if you're a picky eater like my mother-in-law, this is what happens. You say, well, I want, and basically what you do is you order a menu item in the process of creating a new menu item while also recreating the new menu item when you make it repeat them back to you. And then when they bring it out, they didn't do it right because it was transformed again in your brain. So you send it back and they bring you what you want the fourth time, right? That's a consumer mindset. I want this, not that. I want that, not this. You didn't do it right that time. Why do we need to avoid that in dating? We need to avoid, well, I want him to be tall, but not too tall. I want him to be muscular, but not too muscular, but still have a six pack. I want him to have blonde hair, not brunette hair. Dirty blonde would be all right. I need him to get tanned easily, but if he's too dark, he's gonna make me look too white. And if, and he, he can have like a tattoo, maybe like a shoulder tattoo. And then maybe like one, if he had like one on the chest that like popped out a little bit when he wears like a polo shirt, that would be amazing, right? We need to avoid that. Why? Proverbs 31 says this. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We need to avoid these outward traits that eventually are gonna get saggy. We need to avoid picking somebody because they got good hair, but it's starting to recede. Do you understand what I'm saying? All of those things fade away. And also, what is that speaking to? When we base our pick of someone based on their outward appearance, oftentimes it points to something that is a gift in marriage, sex, but is not the only thing that's in marriage. There are so many other things. And honestly, the percentage of time that you spend in sex is very, very minuscule compared to the rest of the other things. We need to avoid a consumer mindset and recognizing that your identity in singleness is this undistracted devotion to God, learning your identity, what is that going to mean that you do? When you walk through singleness, oftentimes because you are trying to be undistracted, you got some blinders up, you're gonna be walking through life, right? You're gonna be walking through life. You're gonna be doing life. You're gonna be doing life. You're gonna be doing life. You're gonna be focused. You're gonna be learning new things. God's teaching you new things. Sometimes it's tough, but you've got good community around you and you got good people around you. And eventually you're gonna look up and you're gonna look and you're gonna see that there's some people around you and one of them happens to be cute. Exactly, one of them happens to be cute. What am I trying to teach you guys? I'm trying to teach you guys a companion mindset. We want somebody who is going to journey with us. We want somebody who we can lock in step with, pursuing Jesus and growing closer to one another. That's what we want in marriage. We want somebody who, first, we're not looking at the outward things. We are looking at the matters of the heart. So again, you need to find somebody who you're able to submit to. And husbands, you need to find someone who you are able to love as Christ loves the church. What am I saying? Am I telling you to abandon all preference? No. But I'm telling you that your first look needs to be what their character is like, what their heart is like. Do they pursue Jesus? Do they pursue you? 
Do they love you enough to recognize that crossing boundaries not only is hurting them, but it's hurting you? Those are all things that matter. Companion, that's what you were looking for, someone to journey with. So that's what we're looking for. And again, with a companion mindset, we recognize that we're gonna go on a journey with someone. Do you go on a journey with someone who for the first 30 minutes is cool, but after that annoys the absolute crap out of you? Do you go on a camping trip with someone who you can't spend more than 15 minutes with without wanting to pull your hair out? Yes or no? No, exactly. That's what happens when we base our picks for dating on how somebody looks in Snapchat and we recognize that at a person, they're not funny, they're stale. We can't hang to be around them because they got some doggone stank breath. We can't handle none of that. And you know what? They don't go to church. They don't pursue, right? But they look good. That's what happens. We want a companion. We want someone that we can journey with. And the last thing I wanna talk to you guys about tonight is I don't want you guys to feel like you have to rush into things. And that's our third point is don't rush into things. And we talk about this a fair amount. I feel like it's come up a lot recently with RSM. But I want you guys to remember God has a purpose for the season you are in. He does. He has a purpose for you if you're at Ralph Chandler Middle School in the seventh grade or if you're homeschooled and you do co-op or if you like to ride horses or if you play on a sports team. He has a purpose for you if you feel like you're too young and you gotta wait until high school to become effective at anything. He's got a purpose for you right here and now. He also has a purpose for you as you grow older, as you're figuring things out, in this single dating, engaged, and married seasons of life. In every single one of them, he has purpose. And what I would hate to have happen is that in this group, and this is what I did, so I want you guys to learn from my mistakes, all right? Who is the firstborn in this room? Who is a middle child or younger? So everybody else, right? Who does a good job as one of the younger children to learn from your older siblings' mistakes? So I was one of the ones who got, who got punished and spanked four, five, six, seven times a day. And my younger brother learned from my mistakes and he never got punished. And oftentimes it would be that I got spanked in place of him because I was supposed to be babysitting him. But when mom told him to do the dishes and then he only took the dishes out of the dishwasher and didn't bother to put any of the dishes that were in the sink in the dishwasher and turn the dishwasher on and I got onto him. She said that because I was in charge while she was gone, it was my fault. And I said, well, mom, he did a half job and it didn't matter. That's not a real story, all right? Anyways, I want you guys to learn from my mistakes. I want you guys to soak something in. Do not be so busy chasing the opposite sex, chasing temporary pleasure, chasing these adrenaline moments that do nothing for your soul that you realize that you missed God's teaching and purpose in your life for that time. Do not be so, for my girls, don't be so boy crazy that you lose your identity in Christ in the process.
for my boys. Do not be so girl crazy. Do not be so caught up in viewing things that give you no soul satisfaction that you become calloused and hard towards people and to God. Don't, don't mess that up. Learn from my mistakes because this is what I want you guys to know. And we're gonna talk about this a little bit more and I recognize we're running out of time and stuff like that, but I want you guys to realize that the things that you do now, the decisions that you make now carry consequences into your marriage. I want you guys to recognize that Ellie and I's wedding night was affected by my choices. My choices. It wasn't affected by the lighting. It wasn't affected by the music. It wasn't affected by the day. It was affected by my choices. And what were my choices? My choices were that I am going to compromise on a gift of God to satisfy myself right now. Do not be so caught up and busy chasing the opposite sex. Chasing a video that's damaging your brain in the process of viewing it. That you carry long-term consequences and that you miss God's purpose for your life. This is what Jacob said in Genesis 28. He said, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. I would hate for us to be like that. I would hate for us to get to high school or whenever we wake up and realize, man, God was really trying to teach me something and I just neglected it. And it wasn't that God wasn't there. It's that I wasn't listening. He was in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. That's what I want you guys to realize. So, we're talking about dating. We're talking about how it's a vehicle to marriage. And I know for some of you guys, you might be in the middle of that, figuring out, man, I really like girls, I really like guys. You might be in a relationship, whatever that may be. For some of you guys, it may be, I ain't worried about nothing. I'm just trying to game and not complain. You know what I'm saying? I am trying to set up building blocks in your life. Unlike me, I want you to go into relationships and have standards. Unlike me, I want you to recognize that boundaries are, are tough, yes, but they are for both of you guys as good. And so if I can instill that into you now, whether it's relevant or not, I believe that's what God is challenging us to talk about. I believe it's what God's calling me to do in this moment, in this time, okay? So as we are dismissed to small groups, my goal for you guys tonight, I want you guys to talk about, hey, first and foremost, what season of life do I need to be in? Two, what is God challenging me to do in this season of life? And then three, how can I better listen to God in this season? How can I better do what he's asking? And this doesn't have to be specifically dating related. Obviously, we're in that series, but every single person has a next step and every single person has a season that they are in. And so that's what I wanna challenge you guys with, okay? Let me pray for us as we, as we dismiss, all right? Lord, thank you for this night. 
thank you for the awesome group that we have here. Thank you for all the middle schoolers and the middle school small group leaders. And I pray as we go into small groups that you would open hearts, that you would open minds, um, that you would give the small group leaders exactly what it is that they need to say and that you would give our middle schoolers boldness to speak on where they are at transparently and honestly with their small group leaders, with each other, and that you would help them to grow in community with one another as they grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Student Ministries podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.